space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Hello, Popheads. Welcome to issue 72 of the TomCast Popcast, uh, also known simply as Popcast, and we are a part of the 3BZ Network. I am your host, and my name is Tom. Please follow the show at TomCast underscore Popcast on Twitter, at the TomCast underscore Popcast on Instagram. You can email the show at TomCastPopcast at gmail.com. And if you're so inclined, head over to Patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopcast, where you can join Patreon, <laughs> where you can join Pophead Nation. And get all kinds of super cool exclusive episodes. Uh, we uh, actually put out a second exclusive episode for the month of January. So uh, our cool Patreons got a bonus episode for the month of January. And I will be hard at work making the new Patreon-only episode for February very, very soon. So stay tuned for that. It'll probably be next week. Oh, so as I said, this is issue seven, this is issue seventy-two of the Tomcast podcast, but this is episode one of our Star Trek Picard review series. Now, unfortunately, things were a little hectic in the Tomcast uh, podcast studios last week, and uh, we were unable to record after the premiere of the first episode. So, what we're going to do is kind of bundle episodes one and two together. This week, and then we'll start spacing them out for episodes three, four, five, six, and seven as as we go on through the rest of the season. Um, that kind of works out okay, though, because uh, after seeing the first two episodes, it definitely feels like we're we're still in uh, the opening act of of this series. You know, it's, it very much feels like episode two um, is the middle of the first act, and that uh, when we get to next episode, it'll kind of conclude the first act. And we'll be off on our way, and we'll kind of got. We'll get, you'll know what I mean by that because you're watching the show too. Uh, but before we kind of get into the nitty gritty with Picard, we kind. I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about um, Star Trek in its current state now, uh, as something that's available exclusively on the CBS All Access app, and obviously the um, obviously the, the 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 head honchos at CBS are are counting on us Star Trek fans to kind of be the heart of this this new subscription service of theirs because uh, it would seem to be that all of the new Star Trek content coming from CBS will be on this platform exclusively. So you either have to get on board with the all CBS All Access platform or you're going to have to wait for it to come to DVD or, or you know, when when that happens, it's also available on Amazon for purchase at that time, and that could be you know a year to year and a half down the road. Kind of depends how much they want to hold back. So you kind of have to make a commitment here, and so I I I, I don't want to say I have reservations about doing these Star Trek Picard episodes, uh, but I am a little concerned that they will be the episodes that I do uh, that are the least listened to because uh, I don't know how many people have. CBS All Access, uh, you know, 
a small sample size is obviously the, the, the group of friends that I have and, and of that group, I am the only one in it with CBS All Access. And I have about two other friends who are uh, doing the Jack Sparrow route to watch watch Picard and watch Discovery and things like that. So I don't have a lot of people to talk to you about the show, but that's one reason why I wanted to do these episodes is because uh, through my, my talking about it on the podcast, hopefully I'm going to get some people excited and, and we can get a little uh, back and forth going on. I'd, I'd love to hear people's thoughts on the show so far, what what you're enjoying about it, what you're not. And and like I said, I, I feel that because uh, this is TomCast podcast, first time we're kind of diving deep in, into Star Trek stuff, um, we should kind of talk about how Star Trek it, it, on, on CBS All Access has changed quite a bit and uh, rather controversially. So I, I, I kind of want to touch base with that just a little bit. Um, it's very Star Trek is very different now than it was when, when I was younger, when I was growing up with The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and Voyager and, and even Enterprise, uh, you know, to, to whatever extent you can consider Enterprise. Because uh, the way TV, the way story is being done is, is very, very different than, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, instead of the, the, the episodic nature of the show, everything now is one big story over one season and then, you know, you go from the episode one to episode 10 to 12 or whatever the end point is. And it's all these connections and puzzle pieces being put together so that you kind of have an overall picture of the series after a season is completed. So that's very different for Star Trek, which, you know, which was episodic, weekly adventures. You know, you could kind of, if you missed one episode, like, yeah, you were bummed that you missed it, but you could know you could watch the next episode and you kind of knew where you were going to be, unless, of course, you happened to catch a two-parter and then you're, you were kind of short on that one. Uh, but that was the difference in TV. Uh, I don't think you could start watching Picard four episodes in and, and, you know, kind of be like, oh, yeah, totally, I get this now. Uh, it's it's very much that uh, that uh, uh, serial... Yeah, serialized? I think that's the word I'm looking for. Serialized version of storytelling that's become oh so popular nowadays. Um, and the other thing that I think needs to be mentioned is uh, because... <sighs> this part's hard to admit. But I'm old. I'm older. Uh, I am I am a man in my early 40s now. And again, Star Trek is very different now than from when I was a kid. And new Star Trek has been criticized heavily for... Oh, what's the best way to put it? Kind of... You know, Star Trek Discovery is a prequel. So it has the, the challenging task of trying to dance between the raindrops of Star Trek continuity. Uh, and sometimes it succeeds and sometimes it doesn't. But the story they're trying to tell in there is sort of contrary to what we know about Starfleet and the Federation and, and uh, you know, characters of that nature at the time frame that they're doing. So there's been a lot of criticism from the devotees, the hardcore devotees of Star Trek. And uh, most of the criticisms that I've heard, I, I, they make 100% sense. I, they're, they, they have, I've really never heard an argument that I was like, yeah, you're totally wrong. That's not it at all. Uh, I, I think everything that the hardcore Star Trek fans have said about Discovery is actually fairly consistent and fairly accurate. Uh, and like those hardcore devotees, uh, I didn't like Discovery at first either. Uh, there was too much change, too much uh, contradicting what I thought I knew about Starfleet and the Federation and Star Trek in general. Uh, but 
I plowed through the first four or five episodes eventually. I, I did not watch it when it first came out. I, I kind of had to be talked into it uh, by a friend who said, listen, if you can if you can make it through, you're going to get to a good story. And, and eventually I got there and I kind of saw what was going on. Uh, but it made me realize that this is the Star Trek now isn't I don't want to say it's not for me, but it's not necessarily aimed directly at me. I, I, I think the new Star Trek is being designed to get new, a new audience members in, you know, people who, who didn't grow up with Star Trek. This is the Star Trek that they have to grow up with. Uh, just like just like the new Star Wars films. Maybe those aren't my favorite of the Star Wars films, but if it's going to bring in, you know, an entire new generation of, of Star Wars watchers and, and Star Wars enthusiasts, uh, I, I can't really begrudge, begrudge, begrudge them. Do I think they need to strike a little bit more of a better balance on Discovery and, and you know, some aspects of Picard, and we'll talk about those? Yeah, I do think they needed the two kind of strike that balance a little bit better between respecting the old and, and encouraging the new audience members to, to, to make this their trek. And that's basically... And then the, Sorry, I'm stumbling a little bit here. But that's what I had to do to like Discovery. I, I had to realize that maybe, this may not be my trek, but this trek is still better than no trek. And like I said, there is, there's, Discovery has good stories to get to. It stumbles a little bit in certain episodes, but uh, for the most part, it's 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 very different than than Star Trek that came before it. But it's still Star Trek, and it's still better than not having Star Trek. Uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, I don't want to get too much into Discovery stuff because there's a, there's a possibility we'll we'll get a chance to explore Discovery further on the show over the summer when season three airs. Uh, most importantly, we're here because of Star Trek Picard. This was. When this was announced, this was the one where I was like, okay, now it's time for me to pay attention. Now it's time for me to kind of get invested in this new Star Trek again. And like I said, I had a friend convince me to go back and watch uh, Discovery Season 1 and 2, and I did. And I, I eventually got to the point where, I, uh, where I've enjoyed it enough that I'm going to keep watching that. But uh, when I was very young, Star Trek, the original series with, with Kirk and Spock and McCoy and everybody, was on in syndication. And I would watch it occasionally on Saturday afternoons with my dad, but it was uh, very dated, and um, it didn't really connect with me initially. Uh, but then eventually, The Next Generation started up on TV, and it, it would play in syndication um, one of the times. I don't know all the times, because I was, I was very, very young when it first started up. Uh, but I would be able to watch it on Saturday mornings after, after Saturday morning cartoons were done. And so that was kind of sort of how I got my first introduction. I wasn't a super steady watcher of it because uh, also as a young child, I played a lot of sports. Like, you know, fall was, was football season and, and spring and summer was baseball season. So oftentimes I'd, I would miss next gen uh, to go and play sports and be a kid. But eventually, you know, the next generation was on long enough that it was syndicated basically all the time. And I was able to watch all the episodes. And uh, I became a massive fan of... Jean-Luc Picard, played by Sir Patrick Stewart, and I'm also a huge Sir Patrick Stewart fan now because of my love for Jean-Luc Picard. Uh, but he, Picard's just, he's such a fascinating character because he kind of embodies all these great high morals and, and strong values that um, that Star Trek is supposed to represent. Uh, you know, the, the, the bettering of, of humanity, the... the uh, the, just the compassion and the, the the strength of character that he has is 
it was really top notch. And, and like I said, he's he's kind of like that embodiment of everything that was good about Star Trek and the message that Gene Roddenberry was trying to trying to say about humanity is how we we've, we've put our conflict behind us. You know, hum, humans are all on the same page, and and. We, we strive to move forward now as, as a species together with one another. And a lot of that is embodied in Picard. And, and he's, like I said, he's sort of the best of all of us. And so I, I love the character, especially when I was a kid. And I was very impressionable. And, and seeing this man who was such a, a, a pillar of moral belief and, and doing the right thing, no matter how hard and how uncomfortable it can be, uh, was just astounding Growing up as a, as a, you know, I think by this point I was, I was in my teenage years, and it was awesome. Picard is hands down my favorite captain uh, of any of the Star Trek series. Be, and I think it's because of that high moral values. I mean, if you guys have listened to podcasts before, you know that I am. I was raised by Stan Lee, basically, on, on all the comic book characters he created. So I love those intrinsically good people. I, I You know, I'm, I'm okay with this new thing where you're getting, like, these characters that are kind of like rough around the edges and and you know they need to kind of be redeemed a little bit I'm, I'm i'm okay with that but i love these characters that are like no this is the good guy boom and that's that and that's picard to me you know i don't i don't need some kind of uh grim and gritty uh you know uh reboot of captain picard as, as something that he's not I, no thanks and that's not what this show is this is show is a continuation of captain picard Shortly after the, the events, the, well, I shouldn't say shortly after, but after the events where we left him, uh, what happened in Star Trek Nemesis, which is not a great film, but is important for the, the, the consequences of the actions in that film, which, uh, spoilers if you don't know already, uh, this, that is the film in which uh, Commander Data dies, and it's left Picard rather shaken, you know, a lot of emotional scars from Lieutenant Data's death, his sacrifice to save Picard. And we see that very early in the show. That weighs heavily on Picard's conscience. Uh, but also this, this film, I'm sorry, the series, I say film because, I mean, it's shot so gorgeously, but we, we can talk about that a little bit later too. The, the 2009 Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams reboot of Star Trek, quote-unquote, uh, no matter what you think of it, it, it does happen. There's a primary event in that film that, that kicks everything off that uh, has ramifications in Picard's 24th century, and it has to be dealt with. And that is the supernova that's going, that destroys, eventually destroys the Romulan star empire, the Romulan home system. You know, Romulans, bad guys of the Federation forever and ever and ever. And uh, Picard, we don't see this obviously in the 2009 film. The only thing we see is the supernova and then the events that send Spock into the past. But Picard is the guy who has to deal with this supernova. And uh, the attempted relocation of an entire species uh, and, and saving them from a, an extinction-level event. And there's a lot of fallout from that, and, and we're kind of starting to see some of that. Now, before... Again, <laughs> before we even get into the episode, uh, IDW, who owns the, the license for the Star Trek comic books, has done a Picard a countdown miniseries. It's a prequel that uh, depicts Picard's efforts as an admiral in the Starfleet to help relocate several Romulan colony worlds. And the Countdown comic, um, a lot of it has to do with the... Well, I don't know. What's the best way to kind of get into this with you guys? Because I haven't read the last issue of the comic yet, because my uh, the comic book 
pur- purchaser that I that I get my books from I decided to ship my books a week early. Uh, so instead of getting my books this week with this final week of January, uh, that would have came with not only the final chapter of the Picard comic, but also the next issue of the new Star Wars comic and whatever other whatever other books came out this past week, I now have to wait until the end of February. Now, I probably won't, so I'll have to track down a copy, whether it be, it be uh, a digital from Comixology or whatever, but I haven't done that yet, so I haven't concluded the chapter, the, the, the countdown prequel, as it were, for Captain Picard yet. But we kind of know how it's going to end anyways. Uh, Picard's efforts to relocate the Romulans are going to go awry. But what's important in that comic is the mission that he's on uh, is he goes to this colony world of the Romulans and the, the plan is to relocate something like 10,000 Romulans off this, this colony world of theirs. But they, when they get to the planet, uh, Picard finds out that there is a native species on this planet that the Romulans have subjugated and the Romulans are willing to leave behind to let them die. And obviously Picard, being the man of high moral value that he is, will not let that stand. And this comic is what introduces us to, to Laris and Jaban, the, the Romulans who live in Picard's home and are sort of, they help, they help caretake for the, the vineyard for Chateau Picard. And um, that's actually, I, I'm assuming that when that comic book ends, you'll get a little bit more of a, of a preview, preview of Picard bringing them to Earth with him. Uh, because when he gets to this planet, whose name I don't remember, I'm sorry, uh, and he first meets Laris and Javon. He realized they, they are uh, vintners. They are growing wine on this Romulan colony. So the idea that he, I'm assuming at the end of this comic, he'll be like, hey, by the way, I happen to own a vineyard. And maybe that's what brings Chateau Picard back to life is, is having these Romulans come home with him and they bring Chateau Picard back after the, the de- events of the, de- the devastating fire. Unless, of course, Picard brought that back beforehand. I'm not quite sure. We might get some more information on that down the road. And that comic book also introduces us to a character we just we got a, a little bit of a glimpse of from episode two, which is, uh, oh, what's her name? Rafi, who is his former first officer on that mission. And uh, apparently it's not going to end pretty well between them, because I'm assuming Rafi's going to take, a, a take uh, if she's not outright kicked out of Starfleet for what happens on that mission, uh, she will probably, be, much like Picard, maybe quit in protest like he did. Though... From what we've seen with her, her anger with him, I, I, I suspect that she took the fall for a lot of the, the events of that series. But I will get more into that before we do the review for episode three. So that's kind of some of the background information. And we are, get, we are getting some of this stuff kind of piecemealed out to us throughout this, this series. And what's important to remember, too, is that... Like a lot of a lot of TV series nowadays, like it is about playing it out throughout the course of the of the season, and so there is a fair amount to kind of contemplate. And it's okay; it's kind of a mystery box show in that way. And in, in, in one sense, it's a literal mystery box when you get to the end of the first episode and you see the giant board cube. But let's get into it, okay? All right, hang on a second, and we're gonna we're gonna break down episode one of Picard. I'll be right back. All right, so episode one of Picard, season one, episode one, titled Remembrance. It is it has a bunch of writers on it. Kristen Bayer, Michael Chabon, Akiva Goldsman, Alex Kurtzman are the big ones. And then episodes 
one, two, and three, and I'll, I'll mention this when we watch those episodes. But all this, this entire first opening act uh, is directed by uh, Hannah Lee Culpepper, and uh, through these first two episodes, I think she's done a stunning job. And we'll talk a little bit about that as as it kind of plays out. Uh, so let's let's get into the, let's get into the show as it starts. We you know we open up. Blue Skies is playing. Uh, I, apparently, this is a Bing Crosby, Bing Crosby version of the Irving Berlin song, which is interesting. And we get this glorious CGI shot of the Enterprise D. And we find Captain Picard in normal clothes playing poker against Commander Data in his nemesis era, first contact era uniform. Commander Data, obviously Brett Spiner back in the role. And, um, you know, we saw it in the trailers. His look is a little different in this series. It looks like they've changed his contacts, so he looks a little bit less like... He's always had the yellow eyes, but the, this is really more pronounced in the, in the new series, and which makes it very, very interesting. And I think we all quickly realize that either Picard's having a memory or some kind of dream or whatever like that, and then we find out very, very quickly that it is, in fact, a dream. As the card game comes to an end, and Picard looks out the the windows of the Enterprise and sees that they're in orbit around Mars. And then all of a sudden, Mars basically catches on fire, which is a huge, huge indicator of problems to come. The Mars is home to the uh, Utopia Planitius shipyards, where Starfleet builds many of its ships, and we will find out later throughout the series or throughout this episode that this is where. Uh, Starfleet was building the fleet that Picard was going to take command of to rescue the Romulans. So Picard wakes up, and we start to get a glimpse of his day, which is, uh, you know, not that exciting. <laughs> he's back on Chateau uh, Chateau Picard. He's looks out on the vineyards. He's got all the grapes, and uh, we flash now. We flash next to Boston, so we get to see a future version of Boston. And this is where we're introduced to Dodge. And uh, Dodge is the character who we have seen in the trailers, and she is the person of interest that kind of kicks off the events of the series so far. And um, she's going to be accosted by unknown assailants who uh, quickly dispatch her boyfriend, who's a Kelpian. No, I'm sorry, he's not a Kelpian. He's a uh, oh darn it, <laughs> I already misspoke once. Zahan, thank you. My God, sorry. <laughs> He gets dispatched rather quickly, and Dodge is put down, and they are they're doing something. They're trying to like it looks like they're reading her in some way. They they put these weird things around her eyes, and it looks like they're scanning through her mind. Uh, our first indication that something's not quite right with Dodge, and then something activates in her, and she becomes uh, like River Song. You know, from uh, not River Song. That's from Doctor Who. River Tam from Firefly. And kicks the holy shit out of these people who came to kill and or abduct her. Or abduct and or kill her. And then she flees. Because who wants to stick around after a bunch of people tried to kill you? And she kills them. Pretty gloriously, by the way. What happens next is is pretty interesting in the sense that this is where we sort of get some background information on, on Picard and his life. Actually, I, hold on, I take that back real quick. Before, before we do that, um, as Dodge is going to leave the room, leave 
the body of her boyfriend and and the crime scene as it as it is now uh she she gets a flash of picard in her mind and that is com- what compels her to track him down and then that is what really kicks off the events of the series so it's 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 interesting you know if if you've watched the trailers you've gotten a pretty good glimpse of what or I guess uh, who, who Dodge seems to have a connection with. Obviously, Commander Data is strongly indicated. Um, and we get a little bit of information on that in this episode. But it's it's all very measured. The You know, this is an introductory episode. We're kind of catching up with Picard after all these years. Um, and we, we, we get some answers to why things are happening the way they are. But... This show definitely, this episode in particular, is definitely designed to ask more questions than it is. Because, I mean, these this is what the the bulk of the series will be, is trying to answer the questions that this first episode poses. Like, who is this girl? What is her connection to Commander Data? And, uh, you know, the all the things we'll talk about here. Again, it's an enjoyable episode. I think it does a really nice job of introducing uh, the supporting characters of, of Laris and, and Zabon. Now, it's not strongly indicated in this first episode, but they are Tal Shiar, which is the, the secret police of the Romulan Empire. And um, at least they were, I should say, former members of the Tal Shiar. But when they're on that planet from the prequel comic, they've kind of given up their ways and, and taken up with the native inhabitants who the Romulans are oppressing and, and turning into slave labor. So they are very much uh, opposite of, of many Romulans that we've most that we have met throughout Star Trek history, and uh, it's interesting <laughs> that uh, they let this uh, they let they let Laris kind of keep her Irish accent. Uh, it's, I think that's a part of the of this new Trek that is sort of designed to show that uh, all these different alien species. It's you know. When you think back to next gen, it's all very, very uh, standardized and, and uniformed, and you know Romulans all wear the same thing, and they all look the same way. And uh, this is very, very different in that uh, Zavon has a little bit of the head ridge, forehead ridge that the Romulans had, but uh, Laris doesn't, and some of the other Romulans that we meet throughout this episode or through the next episode uh, don't as well. So uh, the Romulans are more indistinguishable than than they've ever been before. Um, it would be very easy to mix them up with the Vulcans nowadays, which I suppose makes a fair amount of sense because of their connection with the Vulcans. So the next part of the story for episode one is this TV interview that Picard is going to do. And uh, it's a revealing interview because one of Picard's requests for this for this interview is that he's not supposed to talk about, he does not want to get into or asked about his decision to leave Starfleet. Uh, he's going to do this interview because he wants to bring more attention to the situation with the Romulans, and this is because this is the anniversary of the the supernova that destroyed the Romulan Empire. We're not qu- you know, what so far has not happened on the show um, in the first episode, and nor in the second is like we don't really know much about the status of the Romulan Empire. Like, are they completely scattered? Are they, are they factional now? Like, we, we don't really know. We, we know that Picard has these two former Tal Shiar members um, as his associates at his, at his home. Sort of caretakers for, not necessarily for him, but for his house, for the vineyards, stuff like that. Um, but we don't get much in the way of 
what is going on with the Romulans? None of that's come up necessarily yet, but I suspect that'll be something that plays out more uh, in the coming episodes of the series. So the, the interview happens, and again, the, the, it's a good way to kind of get a little bit of the exposition that we need, some of the background information. Um, and it, it, it does kind of give us a chance to see Picard still being extremely emotional because he, he wanted to do this interview to bring more awareness to the situation with the Romulan with with the Romulan remnants and again it it, it quickly devolves this this journalist to um it's it's strange because again Star Trek's sort of this this uh better version of humanity but we still have these like gotcha journalists who apparently just want to you know get ratings or whatever like that which is strange because it's you know what's the point if there's no money in the future I don't you know maybe I don't know they haven't really addressed Star Trek money in a little while, maybe they, maybe Starfleet gets paid in this new version of Star Trek. Um, so yeah, Picard's trying to raise awareness about it, about all this, and she's using it as a chance to kind of get get the dirt, get the dirt, find out why Picard left Starfleet. And through this through the interview, as Picard becomes more upset and and loses his composure a bit, um, we we find out that that because of the supernova, and then because of what happens on the Utopia Planitia shipyards, which I didn't illuminate, but we find out that the Utopia Planitia shipyards are destroyed by synthetics, uh, androids, or and, and, and the like. Uh, that a ban on synthetics has occurred. The Romulan evacuation never happens because the synthetics destroy the fleet that was to be purposed for the transport of the Romulans for their evacuation. And... Because of this, because of the supernova, because of the attack, Starfleet sort of pulls in on itself, and it sort of becomes I don't, isolationist. I suppose is 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 a fair enough word to to describe Starfleet, but they become sort of a shell of themselves in in the sense that they are no longer this uh, force for doing the right thing. The the and the import the reporter says this basically. I mean, he, Picard talks about saving the lives of of not just. He doesn't describe them as Romulans, but as just lives of people. These are lives of people, and the journalist is the one who makes the distinction. You mean Romulan lives and Romulan people. So, again, kind of showing that it's a little complex in, in that it feels xenophobic in a way, but it's still Starfleet. I mean, her crew is, is populated by several alien species. So it's definitely anti-Romulan, if nothing else. Picard is also asked about his relationship with Commander Data and how he trusted him. It, it, again, this is a good scene with a lot of backstory, back information. I think it, it, it's well worth watching if you haven't seen it yet. But Picard does lose his temper and kicks them out, basically. Why did you really quit Starfleet? Because it was no longer Starfleet. I'm sorry? Because it was no longer Starfleet. We withdrew. The galaxy was mourning burying its dead and Starfleet slunk from its duties the decision to call off the rescue and to abandon those people we had sworn to save was not just dishonorable it was downright criminal and I was not prepared to stand by and be a spectator and you my dear you have no idea what Dunkirk is right you're a stranger to history you're a stranger to war you just Wave your hand and it all goes away. Well, it's not so easy for those who died 
And it was not so easy for those who were left behind. Wait, I'm here. Boom. Picard lowers the boom on that reporter. It's over. So, as you probably heard from that track, and I'm assuming you watched the episode, uh, it does pan away where you see the interview being broadcast, and Dodge comes across the interview as she's on the kind of on the move. Um, and seeing that interview, is, is, is she sort of begins to connect the dots that who that Flash was. Oh, that's Captain Picard. That's the guy who was in my mind. And that, that's what kind of jumps the show into into the next level of, of Dodge having to track down Picard and going to find him at the Chateau. It's all very, very interesting stuff. Again, uh, Picard just, or uh, Picard, Sir Patrick is just, just kills it. Just absolutely kills it. But I think he is a bit remorseful for losing his temper like the way he did. Um, he se- it seems to be something that he has a little trouble dealing with. Obviously, he's a very emotional man. And uh, he, he kind of sort of wears his heart on his sleeve about this very particular topic. I, you know, I don't think he's ever been stoked that he left Starfleet. He sits around with his dog, number one. Maybe drinks a little bit too much wine. But that's okay. It's, it's his own wine, right? He can drink it. So what happens next is Dodge shows up at the house. And she asks if he knows her. And he sort of seems to have recognition, but he can't place it. What eventually happens is, uh, eventually he will figure it out, but we won't, we won't know what it is just yet. But Dodge stays at the house because P- Picard believes her when he tells her about the story, about the attack, about what happens to her. And, and Picard, being the man he is, he wants to try and help. So you get this sort of... This is the one scene that I think is a little clunky in this first episode where they are they, they've brought Dodge into the house, Laris is mending to her wounds from the, from the attack and uh, they're outside in this little garden and they're having tea, Earl Grey because it's Captain Picard and uh, you get this little exchange with, about this necklace that, that Dodge is wearing with these two interlocking rings and uh, it the scene seems to serve the purpose to set up another scene that comes in down the road, but uh, but I guess you know we can write it off to Picard just being an inquisitive guy and he noticed some fancy shiny jewelry and he's he's the kind of guy he wants to uh, take a look at it. Again, this the scene seems only really exists so they can pay off a little bit down the road, but what are you gonna do? And so the next uh, when the next morning gets here, uh, Dodge is gone. Uh, because we find out later that she's concerned that uh, she's going to bring trouble onto Picard, and you know that he will be tracked down, and uh, there's that she will be tracked down, and he will get killed in the in the in the crossfire or something like that. Now, in this time before he finds out that Dodge left, we have another dream of Picard. This time, uh, he sees Commander Data painting in the vineyard, and so he goes to approach Commander Data, and there it's great. In the sense that they're both wearing their uh, Star Trek Next Generation classic uniforms, the ones from season three and up, and Data is in their painting. And again, another scene we saw in the trailers where he wants Commander Data to Data wants to hand him the brush to finish the painting, and Picard says he can't. That's when he wakes up, and he realizes that he does know the painting because it's hanging behind him, and that sets Picard off. He's got to go to Starfleet. But he doesn't know that yet because uh, Laris has to tell him that the girl's gone first. So eventually we're gonna get him, he's going to take off to Starfleet because 
he he's connecting the dots in his head about this girl, and it has to do with this painting that Commander Data did for him. So we're going to go into the Starfleet archives. This is a pretty neat scene. Uh, Picard back in San Francisco on the, on, the, on, Starf on the Starfleet campus. He's in this giant, massive archives thing. Everything in these archives is, are presented, preserved in stasis, and they brought, they're brought out of stasis. This is like the key to solving all of my home storage issues. Uh, so if this technology could get here a little faster, it would be really, really wonderful for, for, all, for all of us. So Picard gets into the, his little archives, and we see a lot of stuff that we recognize from the Next Generation series, including it looks like he has Worf's Batleth and, uh, and his knife. Uh, but he pulls up another painting, uh, the, the second in the series that Data did, and this painting the, has the face of... Dodge on it, and he asks the holographic index computer like what the name, what the title of this painting is from Commander Data, and its daughter. So again, now we start seeing the connections and, and why uh, Picard wants so much to to try and protect her because he now knows this girl has a connection to Commander Data in some way. And so the next scene of the show is very very interesting as well. Dodge is still in in France because that's where Chateau Picard is. In case I wasn't clear about that. And she, she gets in the communicator. She's deciding to call her mom. Now, this is a very strange scene, but something interesting happens here where, you know, we're suspecting that Dodge has some kind of cybernetic connections. Uh, and the communication with her mom kind of flashes. So it seems like if this mom is, is actually a, any, is anything, it seems like it's some kind of program that will help direct Dodge because she's a cybernetic being who doesn't know that she's a cybernetic being. And the... The, the person who's the mother in the call gives her a set of instructions that seem to trigger the, you know, the neural network that she, that she seems to have, the, the positronic matrix, like Commander Data. We, we don't know much about her, their internal functioning at this point, so I'm just going to use the terminology we know from Commander Data, for the Dr. Soon uh, androids that we know from Next Gen. But yeah, this mother says these, these kind of like keywords and it triggers everything. And all of a sudden she's able to like hack into like Starfleet information systems and track down Captain Picard, which should be basically impossible for anybody. But she's able to find him. And it leads to the next big track down with the, the people that are trying to kill Dodge. But not before Patrick Stewart gets a chance to kind of explain why he wants to, why he wants to help her so badly. Like this connection that she has to Commander Data. Um, but remember, we're living in this world now that, that is post the, Jupiter, the uh, Utopia Planitia shipyard massacre, the burning of Mars, where 92,000 people died. Uh, so the, when, when Picard tries to tell her that she's a synthetic being, the obvious assumption is that like she's some kind of soulless monster that's a human killing machine, because that's the kind of world that, that now exists on Earth with, in, in relation to synthetics. So Picard tries to kind of relay how you know commander data was the the embodiment of all the best qualities of humanity and it, it tries to reassure her of this but before he gets very much further that's when these this this kill team arrives on, at, on starfleet base uh, of all places and uh attempts to capture or kill dodge and at least to a pretty cool confrontation on the, on the rooftop of one of the buildings of starfleet and uh Again, great action sequence, great fighting. Picard is, uh, you know, he's, he's a little tired uh, because 
you know, he's an old man. He's an old man now, so he's he's a little worn out. He's a little tired. He's kind of just watching. He's very passive in this fight. He doesn't engage in it very much as Dodge kind of wants to keep him safe. And she engages, and she's activated now, as they like to say on the show. And she's able to pretty readily dispatch the attackers. And we will find out through the course of this engagement that uh, her attackers are, in fact, Romulans. And that one of them is going to, right before he dies, he seemingly has like, you know, in like the old spy movies, they have like the cyanide capsules in their teeth to kill themselves so they can't get taken prisoner. This one seems to have a tooth that uh, is just loaded up with venomous face-melting toxin of some sort, some kind of corrosive agent. So he spits it all over over Dodge. She kind of, her, her face burns and melts and stuff like that. Well, I, meanwhile, his does as well. Uh, but he spit it on, onto his phaser, phaser blast, phaser rifle, which triggers a ex- massive explosion that kills everybody involved and sends Picard hurtling back. It's, it's at this point that uh, when, when Picard, Picard comes to, he's back at Chateau Picard. We don't quite know how he got there. Um, maybe Laris, maybe Shaban came to pick him up. I don't know. <laughs> they don't really bother to explain. But he wakes up at the chateau and he kind of realizes that uh, uh, he's just been this passenger in his life recently. And um, he doesn't like that. Picard's never been a passenger. Picard's been a leader. He's been active. He's proactive. And it's time for that Captain Picard, that Jean-Luc Picard, to, to return. Um, and he says in, in the scene uh, that he's only been waiting to die. And uh, he's done with that. And now he has something to kind of... Uh, I don't want to say like he has to cling to this, you know. Like, but this is something that's motivated him to see that sitting around and... and moping because of his, his injured sense of pride uh, isn't the way to go. And it's time to get our captain back. So from there, the mystery begins to deepen a little bit further. And we get to see a place that uh, it, we've only heard mentioned on the, on Star Trek for over the years, uh, specifically on Next Gen, but I think it's been referenced maybe a couple few times in episodes of of Deep Space Nine, maybe even Voyager. I couldn't tell you for sure about Voyager. Uh, but we get to go to the Daystrom Institute in Okinawa, which is uh, Starfleet's, the Federation's, you know, a massive... <laughs> massive uh, cybernetics division, basically, like where, where they were attempting to create artificial uh, life, like, like Commander Data. And... Um, they're basically shut down now. They're basically, they've been neutered completely because they're not allowed to develop anything real. Everything that they do now at the Daystrom Institute is all theory, which has left them in a rather, uh, life, sort of lifeless state. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a ghost town. And this is where we're introduced to, uh, Dr. Agnes Girardi, our new cybernetic, cybernetics expert. And Picard's there to ask questions, and uh, she asks a lot of questions. Or I'm sorry, Picard asks a lot of questions that I don't think uh, Girardi is prepared to answer. Uh, she's rather ev- evasive with him. It, it leads me to believe that she has a couple of secrets about the cybernetics programs that are going on. Um, but that's speculation on my part so far, uh, because she does seem to t- dance around things. But this is a, a kind of a complex sequence here where 
we learn a little bit more about the state of cybernetics in the Star Trek galaxy, or in the Star Trek universe, as, as, uh, as it relates to the events of this show. I thought it was interesting to see even even know that uh, this synthetic attack, these attack, this attack that happens on Utopia Planitia by synthetics is even a thing because, I mean, I know I haven't paid atten- that much attention to Star Trek over the years, but I, di- I didn't think that uh, Starfleet or the Federation was employing synthetics as a, as a labor force or anything of that nature at this point. But, I mean, I guess a lot has happened since the events of Star Trek Nemesis. Uh, one thing that comes of note that's really important in this, this sequence with, with Dr. Girardi is the, uh, the, the name uh, Dr. Bruce Maddox being referenced. Dr. Bruce Maddox is the, uh, is the scientist who is from, I believe it was a season two episode, and I think we talked about it a little bit on the Picard Primer show that we did. Um, he was the, he's the one who wanted to have Data disassembled because he believed Data to be a property of Starfleet and not an individual with sentience and things like that. And Picard uh, argued on behalf of Commander Data as a valid life form, as a... Uh, as something more than property, as, as a, an actual being. Uh, and he's been referenced in one other episode, I believe, which was uh, Data's Day. And it's only referenced like, uh, because after that episode, Data and Maddox sort of uh, become friends. And that's talked about, just it's sort of hinted at in this episode as well. Because Data wants Maddox to continue his work. Data wants Maddox to uh, grow the cybernetics program for Starfleet. He just doesn't want to be disassembled for it to happen. So... Data and, and Maddox have a have a have a, a relationship of some sort of of a friendship of of some kind, and we start to see a little bit about that now. We also learned the fate of B four, who is the simpleton version of Data that we meet in Star Trek uh, Nemesis. Again, not a great movie, but uh, you get to see Federation dune buggies, which I guess is is a thing if you want it to be. And the best the less said about B four, the better. We'll just Everything you need to know they say in this episode, so don't worry about it. All right, let's play a scene from the show. I'm going to move the mic here. Hang on. It's like data at all. In fact, no other synth has been. No. And there's the rub. No one has ever been able to redevelop the science used to create data. Then came Bruce. Maddox. He recruited me out of Starfleet. Despite data's deaths, we came so close. Then we got shut down and it crushed him. Where is he now? He disappeared after the ban. I've tried to find him. But... You said despite Data's death, meaning that any new synthetic would have to be made from Data. Advanced ones, yes. Oops. <laughs> okay, I don't know what happened to my playback there. All right, um... While that resolves itself, um, a little bit of background there. Oh, yeah, the entire app crashed. That's rad. Uh, Okay, so I'll restart that so I can maybe play another clip or two for you guys. Um, Again, there's the name Maddox reference, his connection to Dr. Girardi, uh, how he disappears after the cybernetics ban, the the ban on synths, which is 14 years prior. So he's been missing 14 years, and now all of a sudden we find out about these cybernetic beings like like Dodge. And um, what happens in the next sequence that I was hoping to get to is that you find out that Dodge is part of, of is one of is one of two. They're, they they build them in pairs. In in theory, they would build them in pairs. 
according to Dr. Girardi. So that means there's another Dodge out there, basically. And now Picard's extremely interested in this. And uh, again, you see you see a very different Picard in this half of the, of the episode uh, after this attack, after Dodge's death, because uh, it, he's, he's reinvigorated with a new purpose. And he wants to help, you know, these... these he wants to sort initially he thinks Dodge is dead, obviously, be so that uh, he wants to kind of not like avenge her, but to kind of sort of bring justice for for Data's daughter. Then he finds out that there's a second one, and now he's doubly engaged in it to make sure that the same thing doesn't happen to the sister that happened to Dodge here on Earth. So it uh, it it sort of is the it sort of is the mystery that's going to get Picard up and running and involved again in everything. Uh, it, it's hard to talk about it. It's a little tricky to talk about it in, in context of, like, I don't know what's going to happen next, except that I do. <laughs> so uh, I don't, you know, we can break it down. The, the big thing to take away from what happens next is that we see this. Now we go, we go into space and we meet the sister, and this is the big, the big, uh, big reveal. Though, if you saw the trailers, I mean, you're not all that, all that surprised. Uh, she is the sister. We find out her name is Soji, which to me sounds like an energy drink, but what do I know? Uh, we find out that she is uh, doing doing some work in space, and she's approached by a, by a Romulan, this guy Narek, who... Uh, oh, there it is. Now it came back. All right. Well, we're moving on with our lives here, folks. So again, we Narek is the Romulan. He looks a little bit like like the bearded, um, the bearded Spock from from season two of Discovery, uh, but he's not. And he's like, sort of like a cross between the bearded Spock and and like Ramsey Bolton. So if if that gives you a visual, if you haven't seen the show just yet, uh, but the big reveal is that we find out that they are working on behalf of the Romulan government on a Borg cube. So that's pretty exciting stuff, right? Borg, Romulans, synthetic beans. I mean, we have all the all the classic ingredients here for some great Star Trek. Um, I, again, that, and that's how the episode ends. We we pull back. We see that we're there. The Soji and Narek are on the Borg cube. Uh, the Romulans seem to be. Uh, re, uh, it's called the uh, the Romulan reclamation site. And and uh, they seem to be doing something kind of like re revitalizing the Borg cube, and we learned a little bit more about that in, in episode two, which is which is pretty neat, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But you don't get a lot of information of what's going on here. You don't get to you don't get a lot of insight, and then in episode two we're gonna get some insight, but way more questions. Way 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 way, way more questions. Uh, and so what's going to happen now is I'm going to go against what I said earlier. I am not going to bundle episodes one and two together because I talked about episode one way longer than I thought I would. So we're going to kind of uh, wrap it up for this episode because that's the end of Picard episode one. But it's a, it's a, I think it's a strong entry point into the season, into the series. You know, again, you're getting this pullback and you're seeing these Romulan warbirds. You know, again, it seems like it's, it's, I don't want to speculate too much. You know, it's not my thing. But uh, the Romulans are very busy on this Borg cube. So Borg technology obviously is going to play a part in things. Again, you watch the trailers, you know that. It would seem to be, too, that... Uh, well, I don't want to say that either. Again, I, 
we don't. There's a lot of episodes, a lot of the stuff to talk about on the show are things we can't talk about yet because there aren't answers yet. It is a, a mystery box, and like I said earlier, after you see that board cube, you realize that it's literally a mystery box. So, it's uh, you know, what's going on in that board cube? What's, what are they really up to? You get a little glimpse of some of the things that are going on in that board cube in episode two. Uh, we'll we'll talk about those. Um, it, we will get to the point where we have to speculate a little, a little bit about things, but again, we're still in that first act, so we're we're kind of introducing ourselves to new characters, reacquainting ourselves with Picard and where he is in his life, and we're we're just kind of slowly working our way into things. Uh, I think the the big thing to take away from the show is is like even if even if uh, you aren't rich on the lore of of Star Trek and, and the Next Generation. You know, it may seem like it's it's a bit overwhelming, but I think you need to stick with it. Especially in episode two, you get a lot of exposition about the state of things and about some, who some of these characters are, some of their connections to different things. And I, I, I think episode two may be a good episode for people who don't know the lore that well because you do get more explanation. Not all of it's crystal clear. There is a little bit of some... There's some clunky dialogue in, in the second episode, but it... Uh, uh, the second episode, I, I thought, moved insanely fast. I, when, it, when it reached this ending, I was like, oh, it's already done? So, again, we're going to talk about that. I'm going to record that episode tomorrow. So you're, these are going to come out in back-to-back days uh, so that we are ready next week for episode three of Picard. Again, I didn't think I was going to talk this much about the first episode because so much of it is just kind of reestablishing ourselves with, with Picard and where he is. Um, but I guess I got a little bit more into it than I thought I was going to. Um, I didn't necessarily want to do the scene by scene thing, but, uh, I sort of did. <laughs> oh, well, I'll, I'll get a little bit better about that. We'll fine tune it maybe in the next episode, uh, especially because things in the second episode do move very, very fast, but we get Picard, Picard revamped, re rejuvenated this. He, he, uh, remember we didn't talk about it too much, but he's very, very much haunted by this death of, of, Lieutenant Commander Data, I think, actually I believe he's full Commander Data by the time of his death, dreams when basically every night, at least every night that we've seen Picard asleep on this on the series so far, he has dreams of Data, interactions with Data. Uh, Data, you know, he feels Data's death every day of his life. They talk a little bit about that in the second episode where we can talk, where we can talk a little bit more about that as well. And um, it's just... Uh, Data's death weighs heavy on his conscience, and now he has this chance to sort of help his his dead friend by uh, protecting or defending or saving uh, this potential daughter of his. And uh, we, because the computer crashed on me, I didn't get to finish playing the scene uh, with Dr. Girardi where she talks about if any one of Data's neurons had survived, it's possible his entire positronic matrix would have been able to survive as well. Um, it's very techno jargon sciencey gobbledygook but that notion uh, to picard is very very important that some 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 semblance of his friend could still exist out there um and possibly be in this missing sister this soji that now picard is aware of that is out there he doesn't know how far out there she is he'll get a better feel for that in the next episode um and i, th- I think that's a good place to end it i i don't think I'm stepping on top of anything. I don't think I'm necessarily missing anything here. Uh, just some quick thoughts. Uh, bah, 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 bah. No, we talked about Zabon. We talked about them. Yeah. 
yep, 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 yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good stuff in episode two, though. A lot more of that. We get to, we open up with a big, big piece of the, of the backstory here um, on the next episode, and we'll, we'll dive more deeply into that. Uh, again, I'm going to do that tomorrow. So you'll have an episode of, of the TomCast Popcast on Saturday and on Sunday. You can listen to it before you go, before you watch your Super Bowl party, before you go to your Super Bowl party, before you watch the big game. You know, do like me. I'm going to try and go to the gym before the game so I don't feel as guilty for all the crap I'm going to eat and drink. So I will be there to entertain you guys this weekend, if, as long as you're okay with that. All right, so uh, thank you guys so much for listening to this first episode review of Star Trek Picard. Um, before I go, I do want to thank my current patrons. I want to thank uh, the Aspen Hill Chody, the Squidmaster General Brian Boussard, and the Batman of Bay Park, Mr. Jeff Nail. He's the co-host of the Ring Ear podcast, which is a very, very good music podcast. They're currently on a break from this, the second season of their show, the 2019 season of their show. And uh, hopefully that'll be back very soon, but now that affords you a chance to kind of catch up and, and check out what those guys have been doing. Meanwhile, here on the TomCast podcast, we're going to plow ahead, like I said, tomorrow. Picard episode two. And then uh, I think on Wednesday, potentially... Uh, Roger and I are going to be getting together, and we're going to we're going to chit chat about some good stuff going on too. So, thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you very very soon. Ciao, babes. Make it so. We're not going to be fucking sunk this year. We're the Stanley Cup champions.